Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verse 8 together. And we're in this series called The Power of His Presence. And today we're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Everyone read with me. We're reading out of the Amplified. But you shall receive power. Let's read that together. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power with some, some emphasis. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end, the very bounds of the earth. And when he had said this, even as they were looking at him, he was caught up and a cloud received and carried him away out of their sight. And while they were gazing intently into heaven, as he went, behold, two men dressed in white robes suddenly stood beside them, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was caught away and lifted up from among you into heaven will return in just the same way in which you saw him go into heaven. And now I want to read Acts chapter 2 verse 1 as a subtext. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. Father, we thank you for your word today. I honestly just ask you to help all of our hearts and minds to open to your word. That Lord, we don't want to just get information today. We want to get revelation of who you really are and what you can really do in our lives. And so, Father, just anoint me to be able to declare this word in a way that will be practical and, and with great understanding and knowledge, God, in Jesus' name, and that everyone will be able to receive and learn from you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. You can be seated. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? And so the reason that we teach on this is because it's important that you know what the role of the Holy Spirit is. And it's important that you engage, you and I engage with the Holy Spirit. Can we get the, the rest of the lights up, if that would be okay? I feel like all the lights aren't on. Maybe I'm wrong. It could just be me. Um, uh, so ba basically I, I think a lot of times we come from different denominational backgrounds. Sometimes we come from un, uh, you know, church backgrounds and we, we, we hear about the Holy Spirit and we listen to things about the Holy Spirit. But a lot of the time we don't really understand uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what role the Holy Spirit plays in our life. We get little glimpses of it. And, and we think, well, this is it or that is it. And we don't get the full picture of who the Holy Spirit is. First, I just want to say that the Holy Spirit is not an it. A lot of times people teach the Holy Spirit and act about the Holy Spirit as if the Holy Spirit is a force or an energy or some kind of 
uh, extension from God that is uh, more spiritual, and we treat him like that, and we call him an it, as if he is a thing, not a person. But we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is equal in in uh, he is equal in with God in all ways, or with the Father and the Son, and together the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit make up the Godhead, and together they they lead us and guide us, or he leads us and guide us, and we, we understand God to be one. When, when, when God gave the commandments, he said, Behold, O Israel, behold, the Lord thy God is one. But we know that God is expressed in three persons. And so God the Father is not the Son. God the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. They are three persons, but they're all one God. And so we just have to understand, and we were made in his image. Now, we're not gonna, I'm not going to try to get into a, a complete breakdown of what the Trinity is or how the Trinity works today, because even when we do that, <laughs> you and I, we're, we're not going to get it. Even after we understand everything we can possibly understand about the Trinity, we will still go, I don't understand how that works. Because sometimes the way God is, is not we're not capable in our finiteness to understand his infiniteness. We're just not. We just can't get it. So even though I might understand all of that, I don't necessarily get it or get how it works. But I will tell you this, that the Holy Spirit is a powerful force. He is a, he is a leader into truth. He is, a, he is God that loves you and cares for you and wants to bless you and wants to use your life. And the Holy Spirit is God God giving us another comforter. When Jesus died on the cross, when he rose again from the dead, when he ascended to the Father, he said, I'll send you another comforter. So as Jesus physically left the earth, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us and to embolden us and to identify with us and to connect with us. And so it's God on earth through the expression of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we, what we really are asking when we say, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, in the life of a believer? What we're really saying is, what does the Holy Spirit do to me? That's what we're really asking. How does the Holy Spirit apply to my life? Is there something I need to know? And in a lot of cases, there is something we need to know. We need to know a lot more than what we think we know about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we avoid certain things about the Holy Spirit because it's all so supernatural and it makes us feel a little bit strange because it's so foreign to us. And I mean, you read that passage of scripture in, in, in Acts chapter two, where it says, and they were all in one accord in one place and praying together in unity. And all of a sudden a great and mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. That, that is not your normal meeting. How many of you would ag agree with that? I mean, how would you feel right now if all of a sudden this place filled up with wind? You'd say, well, it's Amarillo. So, I mean, it's Canyon. What, what's the big deal about that? <laughs> so sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves, it's different than what we understand as humans, and we don't get it. And sometimes it makes us go, I don't know about this. And the truth is, it's only because we don't truly understand who he is and what he's trying to accomplish. So I want to talk to you about that today. So in Acts, we find Jesus saying to the disciples, as is recorded by Theophilus, he says, but you shall receive power 
ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This word power, this is the word um, dunamis in the Greek. And the word dunamis in the Greek is where we derive the word dynamite. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life in fullness, it is explosive power. It's not just, it's not just a, a good feeling, and that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to give you a good feeling. But it's this powerful expression of God that causes your natural to get some super in it. You know what I'm saying? That's basically what's happening. Is God's taking his super and putting it with your natural, and he's doing something in your life that is bigger than what you can do on your own. So you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very bounds of the earth. And when he had said this, even as they were looking at him, he was caught up in a cloud, received him, carried away in, uh, out of their sight. And so you know what happened. Then Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the very thing that he said would happen, happened. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a mighty tempest blast and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the Holy Spirit empowers us in such a way that we're not the same. And, and that's what God wants to do in our lives. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ideas that we've gotten about this, a lot of ideas that we embrace about this thing. You know, because we, we think about what happened to them. Immediately when the power of the Holy Spirit came on them, they erupted out of that upper room. And they went down into the streets of the city. And they were speaking in languages that they didn't know. You know, a lot of people talk about the, the gift of tongues. What is the gift of tongues? And there's a lot of different discussion about the gift of tongues. But in this context, it's not talking about uh, what, what theologians call glossolalia. It's not talking about a heavenly language. It's talking about a gifting of God to speak a language you don't know. Because the Galileans were coming out of this upper room and all of these people all around from all these different places, Medes and Parthens and Rome and all these places, they were there and these people were saying praises and, and, and singing praises to God in their language. And they were saying, how do you know our language? You're not, you're not one of us. How do you know our language? Because God did that. Now, I'll tell you a testimony that might shock you, but it's a great testimony. And I just, I pray to God that he would do this in my life. Uh, I, there's a great man of God. His name is Mark Rutland. And Mark Rutland, uh, he's, he's in his, I think, almost 80s now. And he is a, he's been a great pastor, done some great things, but he's, he's still doing ministry today. He was just uh, not long ago when ORU was in so much trouble, he went and became the president and really brought them out of the mess they were in. And and really God uses him in significant ways. But when he was young, he was in his, like his early 20s, he had a mission opportunity and he was supposed to be going to some place in Mexico and he was supposed to speak and, you know, at a crusade. And so he went to this, he went to this place and uh, as, uh, right before he left, right before he uh, got in his car to leave, he got a phone call. And the phone call said, your interpreter is sick. They cannot come. So he goes to the church, and in the church, all the leaders on the stage, all the people in the congregation, no one could speak English, and no one could definitely interpret for him. So he knew just enough Spanish to get up and say, I'm sorry, I can't preach, and turn it over to someone else. And he had prayed about it, and he knew God had given him a word for that, for that 
a service and he got up and he said, when I begin to say, I'm sorry, I can't speak Spanish, fluid Spanish just started coming out. And he said, I just started speaking Spanish and I understood it and I understood them and they understood me. It wasn't gibberish. I was, and then to this day, that man still speaks Spanish fluently. Now you say, oh, that's ridiculous. Go talk to him about it. And I've been praying ever since I heard that testimony. I'm like, Lord, what's wrong with me? When I go to Uganda, can you please just give me some language? When I go to Cambodia, I would love to not have to have an interpreter. How powerful would that be? I guess you got to have special faith for that or something. But the power of the Holy Spirit is so real. And I think sometimes we have to get in our mind and understand that what God does through his Holy Spirit is manifest his presence in a way that we cannot do in and of our own. And, 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 and I think we need to realize this is how God gives us power to overcome things. This is how God gives us power to pray prayers of faith. This is how God gives us power to overcome sin in our life. This is how God does that by giving us his Holy Spirit. And I know there's a lot of things about, well, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? And don't you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved? And all of these things. We're going to talk about all that in just a few minutes. But I just want you to know the Holy Spirit is a good thing. And when we, when we think about spiritual things and it makes us concerned or it makes us worried or it makes us fearful or it makes us anxious, then we need to stop and go, wait a minute. We need to realize that the things that are unseen are far more real than the things that are seen. And if you don't believe that, you need to go read your Bible because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that we know that the things are seen were created by those things we cannot see. And so we, we serve a God. How many of you have seen Jesus? Raise your hand if you've seen Jesus in the flesh. Because if you have, we need to talk. Because I want to know, know how that happened. But you still serve Jesus. And you still love Jesus. Why? Because you know he is real. Why? Because he saved you. He changed your life from the inside out. Well, how did he do that? The Holy Spirit. When it says, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. You know, a lot of times when we talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we talk about the boldness of the Holy Spirit. How it makes us bold and it makes us powerful. But you know what? When it says, you shall be witnesses, here's what it's saying. It's, it's saying that I know Jesus raised from the dead. I know he did. If I'm a believer and I've come into a relationship with Jesus and he has come into my life, I know he raised from the dead. I don't believe he did. I know he did. Now, why? Why do I know that he did instead of just believe that he did? The Holy Spirit. Now, let me show you what I mean by that. You can prove the resurrection through historical things. There have been many, many people that have tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus because if you can disprove the resurrection, then Christianity has no value. And I can't even count the people who have become apologists and gotten saved and given their life to the Lord trying to convince others that there was no resurrection. So anytime somebody says, I'm going to go study and research this and I'm going to disprove I just say, well, I'll see you when you get saved. Because when you start digging in, you realize Jesus is real. Jesus can, his life can be proven historically and the resurrection can be proven historically and legally and archaeologically. But I don't 
believe in the resurrection because just because now I did, I did have faith and say, I, I believe in the resurrection. But now because I have a relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit lives in my heart, I know he raised from the dead. This is what the word witness means. This is why we can have conviction when we talk to other people and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and he saved my life and he died for my sins and he rose again from the dead. Why? Because we are witnesses of that fact. He said, you shall go and, and, and be witnesses into Judea, Samaria, and other ones. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Romans that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. So the same spirit that was there that brought him up out of that tomb is the same spirit in you. That's why in the knowing of your knower, you know Jesus got up out of the tomb. Because the Holy Spirit that lives in you was there when it happened. Are y'all with me this morning? You're like, some of y'all are like, Boom. That's why I use the word witnesses. What are witnesses? They're, we look at witnesses in our common and church vernacular as people who go out and share faith. But he's, what is a witness? A witness is someone who's seen something. So the Holy Spirit empowers us this way. Look at the Apostle Peter. We talked about Peter and his denial of Jesus and how Jesus forgave him and accepted him. If he had been one of those who heard him deny Christ, I mean, think about this. If you were, if you were that young girl that he cursed at, and you, you, you saw him say, I don't know Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to get my hands warm. I don't know Jesus. And all this time, Jesus is being tried, and he's denying Jesus, and he's cursing him, and he's saying, no, I don't know him, and he's saying, you, you guys are lying. I mean, if you were the person who saw him do that, and then 50 days later, you saw him standing up preaching the gospel about Jesus with such boldness, you would be like, what is this? What is going on? Well, what was the difference? What was the difference between Peter the denier of Christ, and Peter, the preacher and declarer of Christ. What's the difference? He didn't grow that much in 50 days. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It changes us. It renews us. It regenerates us. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, some people term it. The Bible terms it that way. So what did Jesus say? Jesus preached about the Holy Spirit. He, he promised the disciples that he would send them another comforter. It's the word parakletos in the Greek. It means one who comes alongside to help you. John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17, the Amplified, it says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and, and, and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. And he's talking to the disciples that are about to experience all that Jesus did and then what happened after. Are you with me? I know this is different. I'm just trying to teach you today. So I just want you to stay with me, stay engaged. I want you to get this because this could be powerful for your spiritual life. He said the Holy Spirit was first and foremost the spirit of truth. That would lead us into all truth. Listen, if we've ever needed the Holy Spirit active in our life, it's today. 
when there's so much deceit and so much distortion and so much confusion, the spirit of truth that leads us into all truth. I don't have to be deceived. I don't have to be confused. I don't have to walk around wondering what's going on and is this true? Is that true? Is what they're saying true? No, because the Holy Spirit will lead me into truth and show me what truth is and calls me to understand what truth is. And all truth comes and flows from Jesus and to Jesus because Jesus is the truth. He's the third person of the Trinity. He did not appear on the scene at the day of Pentecost, but has been from the beginning in co-equal existence with God, the Father, and the Son. Some of you may be struggling with the Trinity and say, I, the Bible doesn't even say the word Trinity. The Bible doesn't say a lot of words, but the concept is there in the Bible. You need to understand that. If you don't think it's true, go back to creation. What did they say? What, what, what do you see at creation? The Father God was speaking, speaking the word. The word is Jesus. And who was hovering over the waters? The Spirit of God was hovering over. You see the Trinity. When Jesus was baptized in the New Testament, Jesus was baptized by John. What did you see? A voice thundering from the sky saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I well please. The Holy Spirit, like a dove. He's not a dove. Don't worry, guys. When you hunt, you're not, you're not messing with the Holy Spirit. He, uh, he, came, he came like a dove, came down and touched. And his, the voice of the Father and the Son right there. The Father said, This is my Son, whom I will please. Trinity. We see it over and over and over again in the Bible. So he said, as he read the Messianic Scriptures in Luke chapter 4, 18, this is Jesus talking, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, think about this. Jesus, the Bible says, was given the Holy Spirit without measure. So when he came as a man, God anointed him by the Holy Spirit. Full on. In other words, no limitations to operate and function on the earth under the anointing of God. The one who comes alongside of us to help, it says. So to guide us, to reveal God's word to us, to empower us, to do the work of Christ, to comfort and console us, to empower us for the supernatural. How many of you would love for God to do the supernatural when you pray? How many of you are like, I don't know, that might be strange. I'm for it. I'm all for it. Be it stranger you get, God, I'm, I'm for it. Let me in. I'll do it. God has used me to do some weird things. And let me tell you something, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's weird. I'm just saying we can be weird. And I think that's why a lot of people get afraid of the moving of the Holy Spirit and the expressions of the Holy Spirit because humans in operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit have acted weird. And they've drawn attention to themselves. And they've made it a spectacular scene, not so that we would look at the Holy Spirit and say, well, look how powerful God is. It's so that they would look at them and say, look how powerful they are. This is not about us. When the Holy Spirit moves, when the Holy Spirit uses us, it's not about us. I always say this to people. It's always important to remember that if the Holy Spirit uses you and you get all caught up in your ego because the Holy Spirit used you to do something significant, you should remember very distinctly that he used a donkey to speak to a prophet. So basically, you're a vessel 
just above a donkey. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's another word for that, but we're not going to say it in church. So the, the, the truth is we can't, that we can't take the glory. Don't ever take the glory of God to yourself. But that doesn't mean because some people have been weird with the use of the power of the Holy Spirit that the power of the Holy Spirit isn't real and that we shouldn't want it and desire it in our lives. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Number one, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives to save us. So the Holy Spirit is there for salvation. No one can come to me, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And how does the Father draw them? By the Holy Spirit. And I will raise them up in the last day. John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, the Amplified, Jesus said and answered, I assure you, in this conversation he was having with Nicodemus about being born again, he said, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit is spirit. So the Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. Everybody say that with me. The Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. So when you receive salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. I know a lot of Pentecostals that believe that the Holy Jesus comes into your life, but the Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life until you're baptized. You have this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is not an accurate portrayal of salvation at all. Your spirit cannot be regenerated unless the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit. That's it. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He's saving you. That's the first and foremost. So you're, you're not... Without the Holy Spirit, and people will say, well, I don't know if I believe that because the Bible says that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, I didn't say there wasn't. There is. But it doesn't mean that you didn't receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved. Everybody with me? Now, I may be answering questions you're not asking, but some of you I know are asking these questions in your mind. So I want to be clear for everyone. The point being is when we're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. If he did not, you wouldn't be saved. Well, well, really? Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, directs and controls you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He doesn't belong to Christ. He is not truly a child of God. So you do, when you do get saved and you do receive Jesus and he comes into your life, you have received the Holy Spirit. He is at work in your life. But now, let me say that, that just because we do receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved, it doesn't mean that there's not a work of the Holy Spirit called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about in that minute. Is everybody with me? Everybody say amen if you're with me. Okay. So number two, the Holy Spirit does the work of salvation in our lives to give us spiritual life. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. He, he changes us. He gives us spiritual life. He sanctifies us. That means cleanses us, sets us apart, consecrates us to be used by God. Uh, he changes our position from blind to sight, from the family of the devil to the family of God. He changes our position from being useless to being useful. The third thing is this, Jesus also baptizes us with the Holy Spirit for empowerment to fulfill his purpose. Now, it's hard for people to understand what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you hear about this, you may conjure up some different things in your mind. 
And, and I want you to know that here's what it is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is when God specifically, you ask God to fill you with his spirit. He specifically immerses you in the power of his Holy Spirit. And there is this occasion. It's the occasion that the Apostle Peter had. He was saved. He came to Christ. He knew Jesus died and rose from the dead. But it wasn't until he went to that upper room and received the power of the Holy Spirit that he stood out and began to preach and declare the gospel in a bold way. There is a shift that happens when we say, God, I want more of your spirit. I want more of your presence in my life. I want more of your gifts in my life. I want more of your fruit in my life. And when we seek God and get into his word and believe his word and believe that he wants us to have that, he will empower us by the Holy Spirit, which will cause you to live powerfully for the kingdom of God, to be able to overcome sin, to be sanctified, to be filled with his glory and his might, to do the things that he's designed for you to do. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is different. Man, time has really gone fast. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is different from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in salvation. It's different. We are saved and converted and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is separate from that. It's, it's what many theologians call a second definite work of grace. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when God empowers you with His Spirit by immersing you. That's why they call it baptism, because you're being immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, He is completely overwhelming your life with power and grace to do the good things that God has for you to do. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, when God empowers you with His Spirit by immersing us into anointing and presence of God. Now, here's some examples. Here's some examples. Peter was converted, as with all believers, with him. But we know he knew Jesus and accepted him before he got out and preached. I just said that. And so we know that there was something that happened through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that caused him to be bold. The Samaritans were saved under the ministry of Philip. Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. Here's what it says. Philip the evangelist went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ the Messiah the anointed, uh, excuse me, the Messiah, the anointed to them. The crowds gathered and were paying close attention to everything Philip said as they heard the message and saw the miraculous signs which he was doing, which validated his message. Now, continue to read with me. For unclean spirits, demons, shouting loudly, were coming out of many who were possessed, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great rejoicing in the city. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, uh, they were baptized, both men and women, in water. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit under the ministry of Peter and John days later. So these people were saved. They'd been baptized in water. They'd been changed. But then Peter and John come, Acts chapter 8, verse 14 and 17. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, and they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. And they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus as his possession. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them one by one, and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you see? There's a receiving the salvation and the Holy Spirit. And then there's another act of grace of the empowering and baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were separate. 
I just, I'm just trying to make that point. I want you to understand. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. When we get saved, it's awesome. And when the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, it's awesome. But there's more that God wants for us. And some of us are struggling with our life and we're saying, I wish I could get over this and I wish I could come out of this stuff that's held me back. And God's saying, if you'll just seek me, I will empower you with my Holy Spirit and you will overcome. And you will not over, only overcome yourself. You'll see changes in the people around you. Paul was converted. He was saved on the road to Damascus by a personal vision. He was saved on the road to Damascus. Listen, when you see Jesus, you're saved. He, he never saw Jesus physically, but he saw Jesus on that road. He appeared to him, and he gave his heart to him. He said, what do you want me to do? I surrender to you. He was saved. Then he went to this prophet, and this prophet laid hands on him, and he received the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of God in his life. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit under the ministry of Ananias. The 12 men at Ephesus were believers according to Paul's own words. You have received the Holy Spirit since you believed, he asked. Or did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said they had not even heard of the Holy Spirit. So these were Christians who had been saved, confessed Jesus as their personal Savior, and been baptized in water, but they had not heard of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 19, verse 2, he says these, uh, it says, These believers were baptized in water and later received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, subsequent to the laying on of the apostles' hands. Many occasions throughout the Scriptures we see where people were saved, converted, born again, and, and went through the process of salvation, and then later, we see that they were empowered by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All I know is that no matter what some religious people may say, or what other out-of-balance people may say, God has given us His power. He wants us to have His power. He wants us to walk in His power. And all we have to do is want His power. That's it. You know, I think that's one of the struggles. I, you know, what comes with this? What comes with this? What comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, as some people say, or, or uh, the empowering of the Holy Spirit? What comes with this? Well, the first and most important thing we're going to talk about next week is what comes with it is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, everybody wants to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody wants to talk about the gifts of the Spirit because they're mysterious and they're spiritual. But let's talk about some, let's talk about some fruit of the Spirit. That sometimes you struggle with it coming out of your life. And you wonder, why don't I have more of the fruit of the Spirit? Because you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to ask God for more. You need to ask God. For, I think that's one of the reasons that we Christians are struggling in today's culture. Because, because we're, we're not seeking God for more. We're satisfied with the little bit of religion that we have. And we're like, oh, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. But, but God says, I have more for you. I want to do great works in your life. Man, listen, you go to your job and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different ballgame. You're trying to witness to your neighbors and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different ballgame. And then the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith, just starts being born out of your life because the Spirit is empowering you to live out the characteristics of Jesus. 
But then there are gifts of the Spirit, like words of wisdom and words of knowledge and, and miracles and faith and all these gifts that God wants to manifest in your life by the power of His Holy Spirit. You say, really? I thought that was just for preachers or pastors. No, this is for the believer. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Can, you, can I please ask you to do something? Go read the book of Acts. Just go read the book of Acts and look at what God did by the power of His Holy Spirit using people. See, here's the way I look at it. I want everything God has for me. I'm so glad to be saved. How many of you are glad to be saved if you're saved in here today? Aren't you glad to be forgiven? I, I, I'm so glad that God has sanctified and is sanctifying my life. That he took me, he's, he sanctified, he set me apart. In other words, he took me out of the family of the world and put me into the family of God. So thankful he did that. And now he's going through this process of sanctifying me. As I study his word and as I pray, I start becoming more and more like him. That's called sanctification, being set apart. But there's more he wants to give me, the power of his Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example of a word of wisdom. I was about to go to Cambodia, or a word of knowledge. I was about to go to Cambodia. And uh, we were taking a trip. And so we got it in front of our church in Oklahoma City. And we always had prayer for the team before we left, just like we do here when we send teams. And we pulled the people together. We prayed. And when we prayed, uh, after we prayed, this lady came up to me and she said, Pastor David, she knew nothing about Cambodia. As far as she knew, it was just all a bunch of, you know, huts. She didn't know if they had a modern city or anything like that. But she said, as we were praying, I really feel like God told me something. And I said, what, what did he tell you? And she said, Pastor David, I don't even know if there are these things in Cambodia, but the Lord told me that when you go to Cambodia on this trip this time, that you're going to be in a coffee shop. And you're going to be sitting in that coffee shop. And as you're sitting in that coffee shop, a dignitary of Cambodia, a high-ranking official, is going to come in the coffee shop, and they're going to sit down next to you, and you're going to get to share the gospel with them. And I thought, well, that's wild. I'm so, it was so specific. Like, I almost said, what, what will I be drinking? I mean, I mean, that's how she was so specific. And she said, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying that's what I feel like God showed me. You know, and it's just a lady in the church. It's one of the prayer warriors in the church. Wasn't a pastor, wasn't a leader, just a prayer warrior in the church. This is what God's showing me. And I'm like, okay. So we went the whole trip. We went through the whole trip, and it never happened. And, and I actually honestly forgot about it. But then at the end of the trip, my friend that was a pastor there, he said, hey, let's go hang out for about half a day. We'll just sit in this good coffee shop I know. We'll hang out. And we're sitting there. And we'd been there for about an hour. And then I said, man, I just remembered something. I said, this lady told me that, 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 that God showed her that there was going to be a dignitary that comes into the shop. And, and, and we're going to get share faith with him. And he said, what? And I said, yeah, she told me that. She said, the Holy Spirit showed her that. And I said, so if it doesn't happen now, it's not going to happen because we're leaving in just a few hours. And so we're sitting there. We just get back in the conversation. I said, keep your eyes peeled out. We were almost being funny about it. And as we're sitting there, we couldn't sit in our normal spot that we had gone to many times in the back. It was so packed that we had to come up and sit in the front. And so we're sitting at this table in the front. 
And all of a sudden, it was just us and no one else there except another table beside us. And this little old man walks to the counter, gets his coffee, comes around, and he sits right next to us. And me and my friend both looked at each other like, could that be? What could this, is this happening right now? And so my friend who spoke the Cambodian language very well, he began to speak. And, and a lot of times when he speaks, it gets the attention of Cambodians because he sounds just like a Cambodian when he speaks Cambodian. And that guy looked over. He did it on purpose so that guy would look over. And he looked over at him. And so he kind of started a conversation with him. And it wasn't long before we asked him what he did. And he was the attorney general. Not of a province, not of a city. He had been the, uh, the attorney general of Cambodia. And he was now functioning as the highest judge, the, the, the office of the highest judge, because he was so burdened about the corruption in Cambodian government that he was coming back to try to change it. And as, as we began to talk to him, I said to him, I said, sir, listen, I, I just got to tell you something. And he was interpreting for me, of course. And I said, listen, I said, I got to tell you something. God spoke to me about you. God, before I came here, he spoke to me about you. He told me that I'd be sitting right here and that you would come and sit beside me. And that you have been a great leader in Cambodia. And that we would share this and tell you God is thinking about you. And God loves you and Jesus loves you. And he starts crying. And he says, you know, whenever we've been in trouble in Cambodia, the Christians are always the first to come and help. And we just had this great conversation with tears running down his face. And let me tell you, you try to tell me God doesn't speak to his people, you could just get lost. I've seen it too many times. If you're here last week and heard about the story of me going to the office at four in the morning because there was a guy that was going to commit suicide and God told him there's someone at that church at five in the morning to help you. And he stopped at the church instead of killing himself. Listen, God wants to give us his power. You say, well, you know, what about all the weird things? Read the word. Stop listening to what people say. Stop listening to what the world... Why do you think the world goes out of its way to make the Holy Spirit seem kooky? Why do you think the world goes out of its way to do that? And it's a shame that any believer would buy into that. So here's what I, I challenge you is today. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to just prompt you today. Because we've been having some miraculous things happen around here. I could, I could sit here and tell you so many testimonies of things that are happening. And, and God is touching people's lives and things are changing. And so, we're, you know, you, if you were here a few weeks ago and just saw the presence of the Holy Spirit, take this service and people begin to weep and people begin to pray. and people That's not just emotionalism. That's God speaking and touching and blessing our lives and giving us opportunity to be invaded by His Spirit and His gifts to operate and all of this to happen. Listen, we want that. I don't want a little bit of what God wants for me. I want all of what God wants for me. I think it would be so powerful if a whole army of believers in Canyon, Texas said, God, give 
Give me everything you got for me. Just empower me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your purpose and use my life to do something significant for you. Come on, somebody. How many of you want that? I want that. So I'm not going to do a big altar call here today at all. Here's what I want to do. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. I want you this week, on spring break, you still should pray during spring break. In your prayer times this week, I want you truly just to say, God, what do you have more for me? Now, there's two things I want to address. There are Pentecostal beliefs out there that the, the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Now, listen, I don't believe that. I believe that there's a lot of gifts that come to you when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you could speak in tongues. But I don't want you to feel like, well, I don't really, I'm not really filled with the Spirit because I haven't spoken in tongues. Because I know people who haven't spoken in tongues, but God moves in them in powerful ways because they have different gifts. And you learn how to use these gifts as we study the Word and as your pastor leads you and guides you in that. But you need to understand, listen, don't be afraid of that. Want it. The Apostle Paul said, you know, he said, seek God for the best gifts. Seek Him. God, give me more. Give me your presence. I want to I overcome. I want to be powerful in the kingdom. I want to do something great with my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. This is what I want you to do. And I want you to worry about all the gifts. God will take care of himself. You don't have to work gifts up. Listen, gifts are gifts. You don't have to work them up and try to have them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you get a gift from the Holy Spirit, you'll get it. You don't have to try to create it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So if that happens, it happens. But what you want is just more of Him. Say, I want more. Say it. Say, I want more. The second thing is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. Well, then what's all this about? It's about us getting in posture and position to continually be filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, show me that because every person I've ever talked to about the Holy Spirit says that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit and that's it. You just said it was a second definite great work of grace. But that's, it's not just a one-time thing. Well, I'll show you Acts chapter 2 that we read about at the beginning and I'm closing right now. Later. Anyway, no, I'm joking. I'm closing right now. Go ahead and stand with me and make me make me stop I just want to I want to finish with this listen in the book of Acts chapter 2 they were praying in one accord and the Holy Spirit moved you know it was what we saw a few weeks ago was very similar he just his presence filled the room like sometimes when you're in worship and you can sense just a heavy peace or just a sense of man what is that great feeling it's the Holy Spirit. He's moving. And so in that upper room, the Holy Spirit came and He filled them up. He powerfully moved in their lives. And they went out and began to preach. And people were saved. See, that's the thing about the power of the Holy Spirit. It always results in people getting saved. Thousands of people were getting saved. Peter was preaching the gospel. It was an amazing thing. Miracles began to happen. And in Acts chapter 4, 
Peter and John had been arrested and they'd been thrown in jail because they were preaching the gospel and the Jews were trying to make it stop and they wouldn't stop and so they threw them in jail. And when they threw them in jail, it made them all afraid. Well, God released them out of jail, but they were in this house and they were afraid. It was all the same people from the 120 in the upper room. And they were all together and they were afraid. What do we do? How are we going to continue? They're going to persecute us. They're going to beat us. They're going to put us in jail. All of that. They said, all of that. What are we going to do? And they began to pray. And they began to ask God, God, what are we going to do? How are we going to continue? And the Bible says that he filled them all with the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute. These are the people in Acts chapter 2 that had already experienced that. Right. That's why I'm saying to you that when we face trials, when we face problems, when we face issues, in our everyday existence, we should be saying, God, fill me up with your presence. Give me an experience with your power. Manifest your powerful Holy Spirit in and through my life. And every time, God will do it. Every prayer time, every time I get up in the morning, I say, God, give me a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit today. Every day. So this is what I'm asking you to do as we close. You know, we ask the, the, the instrumentalists to come up when it's time to close. And I think it's a mistake because it just makes me want to keep going. When I hear that piano, I'm just like, man, we just keep going in this. I'm joking. Thank you so much, Cheston. I appreciate you. And by the way, that second song that we did, message that I preached a few weeks ago Chesson's wife wrote that song based on that message just uh, just about a month ago wasn't it beautiful song by the way powerful uh, her name's Hannah by the way not Chesson's wife sorry um, here's what I'm challenging you to do I want you to start praying this week this whole week God give me more if you really want God to do something extra in your life just give me more God give me more of your power Give me the Holy Spirit in fullness. Empower me. Give me the fruit. Give me the gifts. Give me your Holy Spirit. We're not seeking those things, but those things come with the Holy Spirit. And we're just asking, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, use me. So as you're praying this week, I want you to do that. And I want you to expect God to answer you. And we're going to see some powerful things happen. Amen? And we will, at some point, have some prayer times where... We ask God to do this, and I believe he's going to do it for us. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your grace. Lord, thank you for these people who've come out on this very busy weekend to receive of your word and to commit to being fully on for you. Thank you for their leaning in today. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.